Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Thanks. Um, just to reiterate, the 15th is a Tuesday night coming up, as Alyssa said. We're going to have some homemade gumbo and cornbread for everybody here. Um, and if you have child care, that will be, need child care, that will be coming. Uh, this will be our second time. We'll have seven of these throughout the year where we come together um, all as a church body to talk. Uh, leadership wants to just talk about this idea of spiritual formation and spiritual maturity and just kind of dive in and really connect um, with each other. And uh, boy, it's just time. It's also just a great time of fellowship, all right, than anything else. So just mark that in your calendars. You'll be seeing that coming. Other thing we wanted to um, let everybody know, some of you may not have seen the paper, may not have known, but um, our our uh, dear Bill Jackson went on to be with the Lord a couple of um, weeks ago. And, you know, Bill sat over here. Bill's an amazing man. Um, I, if you didn't get a chance to get to know Bill, um, gosh, what a story. And uh, um, so he uh, went to be with the Lord. And um, I know Mike and, and Kathy ministered to him uh, quite a bit. But I just want to let you all know that um, we will miss him. Uh, miss him. He was the best dressed man in church. And uh, so somebody's got to pick up the, uh, you know, maybe Mike, I don't know, you better, you know. Um, and actually, you've shifted over, I guess, since you're in honor of Bill, you all have decided to kind of new position. But uh, he is with our Lord. He was a man of faith, had a deep faith, and uh, been in this valley for, for years and years. So um, if you didn't know that, just want to let you know. I uh, want to welcome you if you're visiting Crossroads. Welcome everybody online. We are deep in the book of Revelation. We're coming to chapter 14 this morning. Um, and there's a lot going on in the world. And, there's a, uh, and this book is quite informative. Uh, and I, I think this morning is going to be hugely encouraging to everyone and give you, some, give you a lot to hopefully write down, hold on to, dig into this week, especially with everything um, that is going on uh, in our world. Uh, in light of uh, what's going on in Ukraine, um, I give you uh, Ezekiel chapter 38, 39, just to, to dive into. It speaks of Gog, Magog, the power of the north. And to just, just to blow your mind, um, as we're going through this book, it should blow your mind that all of this is in the Bible. Old and New Testament fitting together is God has laid out. He is in charge. He knows where everything is going. He knows how the nations rage and, and where the end of the story is going. All this is in here in a, a bigger way than we would ever, ever imagine. And uh, so I just encourage you to dive in. Go to Psalm 4610. Uh, tonight, invite you back to the outpost. We'll be praying right here to prayer meeting. Um, and uh, God's house will be a house of prayer. We're going to just camp out on Psalm 46, uh, 10. Be still. Know that I'm God. I will, God says, I will be exalted among the nations and in the earth. And folks, I, I just want to drive this home before we get into to this, uh, uh, to uh, Revelation 14, is that uh, all of everything going on. I know there's a lot of, I've had a lot of phone calls, a lot of talking to people just, you know, um, as Julie shared, you know, this time of unrest, we get out of one thing and boom, we're here with the other. By the way, as of this morning, Putin put <clears throat> their nuclear um, weapons on alert. I don't know when that has ever happened. And that's something we need to pray about. That's serious business, right? Um, takes it to a whole new level. And, uh, but uh, people of faith, that should not, 
shake you, should not rock you, should not surprise you. Uh, again, as we get into this, uh, I just want you to say is that to think, we're, we're so isolated that this book and the whole course of things moving towards, last week we looked at the Antichrist and, and this power, the powers of the world coming together. How Putin is acting should not shock you folks. This is nothing new under the sun. A dictator, as you've seen the interviews, an evil man, look what he's doing. This should not shock you. It's terrible, it's incredible, but this has been the history of the world. It will only... Uh, escalate to some extent in the and that's not a downer that's just the way it's going folks that's the power that's the spirit of the antichrist that gets a hold of world leaders and uh, and the nations themselves as psalm 2 says they will rage they always have against the kingdom of god and this thing is going to come to a clash where god is going to be exalted every knee will bow one day and uh, the issue for us is where's our faith where's our what is our expectation we're living under um, right now and how are we going to endure as we're going to see right in all of this and so um, uh, uh, before we get in I just want us to pray I give you those look at uh, Ezekiel 38 39 I don't have time to go look into it. it talks about the northern power alliance in the end coming to the um, battle of Armageddon and all of this stuff it is all in here folks and uh, again do we know that this is the end we don't know we know we're closer. <laughs> we know we're a lot closer and that all the pieces are there, right, that are written about in greater detail than you'd ever realize in the Bible. And so even more the reason for God's people to come together and to strengthen and encourage one another, to set our eyes right on the one who has it all in his hands, right, to bring encouragement uh, as we look at these and to pray, right, and to pray, right, for peace, for wisdom and the things we're going to pray for right this moment, um, before we get into Revelation 14. So Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Um, we worship you. Lord, let's just take a moment, take a deep breath and be still. Lord, know that you are God. Just to reset. Should, Lord, we should do this every day. Just to reset as we see what's going on in the world, in our lives. The stresses, the anxieties, the things of this, worries of this world. And Lord, just to lift our eyes to you, God. You, you are help that comes from above. Lord, you are God. And Lord, you will be exalted among all the nations. Among all the earth, God. And Lord, we're here this morning exalting you. Worshiping, putting our faith and our, our trust completely in you, Lord. In your hands, your sovereign hands is, is everything, God. Lord, we just praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And folks, I would just say this. Let this permeate through everything we talk about this morning. With everything going on, I just want to say, what is the purpose? Uh, why does God allow this stuff to go on and on and on, right? Uh, in our world and all the, whether it's plagues or, you know, pandemics or whether it's, you know, threat of nuclear war, invasions, on and on and on. Let me just say this, it's this simple, but also profound, is these are wake-up calls. These, all these things, what's happening right now in our world, the primary thing everybody should do is what? Look up. These are all a, a cry out. Uh, this is where it says God is patient, but the day is coming where that's going to end. And his word is very clear that the clash of the world and God's justice will come. Time is running out. 
All of that should be a wake-up call. It is either, and in light of all those things, as they get worse, as we're going to see here uh, in Revelation, it lays it out pretty clear, is we go one of two ways. We either harden our hearts, and we hold on to the things of the world and worry and put our trust in government, nations, NATO, politics, or we put our trust in God. You have no other option. And when people say, oh, I don't believe in God, well, they have a faith. Their faith is government. It's the nations. It's what man can do. And that's one way or the other this is going. This thing right here should be an engagement. It should be a shaking of the soul. It should be an awakening to seek God more than anything else. Um, it shouldn't be a buckling down to say, oh, well, we gotta, we got to do our work. we got to do our geopolitics and everything. Of course we do. We need to be involved. We need to do what we can do. But ultimately, our heart has to say, God, we have to look up to Him. And we first start as a church, as followers of Him, say, Lord, are we right with You? Are we the pure bride ready for Your return? Is our devotion, is my trust, is my, are my expectations Father, in alignment with your word, right, in your promises. That's where we start. And so let me, this morning, we're going to dive in on this, this issue. I hope you'll take notes. I hope you'll hang with me. I'm going to throw a lot at you. I need your brains. I need your hearts. I need your spirit. I need all engagement here, right, with the word of God. And hopefully, if anything, this should be an increase in God's, should start with God's people, a, a hunger for the word of God. A, a, a desperate desire to come and to, to get into it and to study it and to learn it and, and to follow it. And so um, we're going to look at this idea of don't let expectations exceed endurance. So I want you to hold on to that and to think about that. Because that doesn't go well when our expectations exceed endurance. Whether it's in my life or whether it's Across the board, it's just a life principle, right? So here's some questions to think about. Get us going here into chapter 14. What are the expectations for your life that you are living under? What are your expectations for your life? Do you know your children's expectations? Did you know your parents' expectations for your life? We're all living under some kind of expectations, like what we expect life to look like. Just go down the list. Did you expect to be married? Do you expect to uh, have a career? Do you expect to you know, have a nice you know, house with a white picket fence? And, you know, what, what, are, what, are, what are your expectations you're living under? You could, you could put dreams in there maybe, right? Um, but what are your expectations? The next big question here is how do you endure when your expectations are not met? What do you do when your dreams don't happen? What do you do when your expectations you had for life don't happen. What do you do? How do you endure that? How do you endure that, that, that loss or a lost dream? or how, What do you do with that? It's a massive question, right? And then this, this last one. What happens when my expectations exceed my endurance? And folks, um, this is where faith comes in. Now listen carefully to me. Faith in Jesus brings about an increasing of expectations in my life and along with that an increase in endurance to endure until those expectations are met. 
To follow Jesus means the Holy Spirit comes in. When we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts the new creation process, gives me a hunger for the Word of God. If there is no hunger for the Word of God, we need to question our very salvation. If there isn't a growing passion to line your life up with the Word of God, we need to question whether there is any salvation at all. It doesn't matter what experience you had out there. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. If there is any hunger for His Word, as Paul says, you better examine your faith. Better really understand where your, where your expectations are being because either the Word of God is setting your expectations and you're, we're learning to line up my expectations with what God's Word says and trust Him or the culture and my own flesh and my own self is setting my expectations right for life. Um, and so faith is about this moving my expectations in alignment with the will of God, in alignment with His radical promises and it is by the Holy Spirit to increase as I read the Word of God and these massive promises for my life, for your life, for the church, for this, uh, um, the blessings of God now and to eternity is my expectation should rise. Right? I should be, faith should be increasing in my life, meaning I have a greater hunger for the Word of God. I'm laying hold more of the promises of God in my life now and into the future, waiting to take hold of what God has not yet done, but I'm trusting Him to do it. Does that make sense? And then it also it empowers me, right? So um, faith, it informs my expectations and it empowers my endurance. Faith in Jesus. Its role, it informs my expectations. In other words, any dream I have out there, any expectation I have, I need to bring it into alignment. Hey, does that line up, God, with your will? With what your word has to say? Right? It informs me, but it also empowers me. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me with the presence of God and the strength to persevere and the strength to empower my soul to endure when I don't see, God, what your promise says. When I don't see what your word says in my life or in the church is I have the strength, Lord, I need your strength to help me endure right through that desert time. Does that make sense? You see how that's in faith informs my expectation. It empowers my endurance. And uh, what we're going to look in chapter 14 is uh, this morning just four Major ways, folks, that we need to lay hold of, we need to restore when it comes to strengthening our faith and empowering our endurance. Um, and the idea of faith increasing my expectations. So in these times, uh, when, when times get, when the pressure comes on, shall we say, right? Um, the anxiety increases in the world. Christians in the church, we should see an increase in faith and an increase in endurance, Right? That's why we come together and encourage one another. That's why we see again here uh, this line that says, this is a call for the endurance of the saints. Right? To endure tough times, holding on to the promises of God. Trusting God. Right? Faith is, is not just some intellectual thing. It is deeply experiential, deeply personal, deeply intimate, trusting God as my Father and Jesus, my Savior, and the Holy Spirit who brings the fellowship of God into my soul, right? So, um, I hope you'll hold on to those questions. And, and really, folks, as we say, we, this is time to dive in on this stuff. Engage each other. Encourage each other. 
uh, on these stuff. And whether it be in our discipleship groups, over coffee, one of our, our life groups, our microchurches, is um, folks, we got to gather. And, and if anything, um, boy, this trial run the last few years, what has it exposed? And I don't take time too much to look at this, but we've got a lot of work to do as the American church when it comes to a strengthening of faith and a strengthening of endurance and a proper response to what happens in the world, whether it's a plague, pestilence, pandemic, or world war. We have a lot of work to do to restore health and strength and vitality right, to the church as this whole series is, are we ready? So we can be ready. Right for the next thing or for the big thing, whatever in God's right sovereign time of all this. So, with that said, let's just dive in here. I'm going to march through as I've been doing, um, verse by verse, and here's just the general outline. And I just encourage you to take these things. These are four absolute necessities if we want to hold on to our faith, have our expectations increase, and have our endurance strengthened for, for the long haul. All right, here we go. Um, again, a little background of those tuning in or those here this morning who haven't, uh, maybe you've never studied the book of Revelation before. I hope this will stir your heart to, to dive into this book. Uh, all of the past messages are online if you want to go and, 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 and revisit those. But I hope this will stir your heart to take this book. It's the only book, it's the last book in the Bible. It's the only one that comes with a radical promise to those who keep it. Hold on to it, right? Speak it. There's a radical blessing from God that comes with that. And we're talking about some of those, those blessings. Uh, Jesus, this is uh, the revelation that came to the Apostle John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's put out there as exile, as being a follower of Jesus. Spirit of God comes, gives him this revelation. The, the exalted Jesus at the right hand of God moves into this letter to the church. To, he has ears, church. Listen to what God has to say. Right? Line up our expectations with his word. And it moves from there into laying out right, these three sets of judgments as we move towards the end of the world. As we move towards God's righteous judgment to make all things new again. The ultimate purpose of Jesus is to bring all things in heaven and all things on earth again together in the new creation. Right, uh, And he did, he, the beginning of this was the restoration of our hearts. Right, By dying on the cross, killing the defeat of, of sin and death for us. And um, so that we might have a fellowship with God. And then we move through these three sets of judgments. Right now, we're in the chapters that um, this, this chapter 14 ends this interlude between the uh, second uh, set of judgments, being the trumpet judgments, before we get into the very last, the bull judgments. So next week in chapter 15, boom, we move into, it all moves exponentially intense towards the end of this final clash between the kingdoms of the world and the kingdom of God and Jesus returning um, to Mount Zion. But Here's a little interlude. And this is kind of, each of these four pieces is not necessarily chronological. These are just different visions and things that we need to be encouraging each other with uh, and, and strengthen our own faith with. So here we go. Chapter 14. John says, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. That's Jesus. And with Him 144,000 who had His name and the Father's name written on their forehead. 
And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters. Like the sound of a loud thunder, the voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as firstfruits for God. God and the Lamb, and in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. Now, who are these people? Let's just march through this. First of all, it says Mount Zion. Folks, Mount Zion. Just write down Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through about 24. Um, and it talks about Mount Zion is the redeemed people of the earth. It is the place where Jesus meets him. It's the renewed New Jerusalem. Uh, it is the place, anytime you see Zion and Mount Zion in the Old Testament or New Testament, it is that new uh, bringing together of heaven and earth together on Mount Zion. God's people with the Lamb, with Jesus and God in their presence. We'll get to uh, more description of that as we get to the end. Right uh, of the book, the hundred forty-four thousand. We already looked at that a couple weeks ago. That again, this this apocalyptic language, prophetic language here is symbolic. That hundred forty-four thousand is is not some super Christians, right? That number is prophetically. Again, we, you can go back look a couple weeks ago. That is the totality, the perfect number of the children of God, the totality of all God's people redeemed, right throughout um, the world that comes together. And what about this language down here that who've been redeemed from the earth? Now it describes them as not defiling themselves with women. Well, that, that seems kind of strange for they they're virgins. It seems is it just men or or what does it mean by being, being defiled and um, Again, this is prophetic language. And in the, the language of Revelation, I don't have time to completely break this, this down here for, for us, but the, the purity of the church, it ta- what he's talking about here in defining the church is those who have not, men and women, who have not, what? Gone, taken the mark of the beast. Who have not, as we're going to read about here in a few verses later, um, they have not, what? Put their faith in the systems of the world. They are pure in keeping their faith in God and not in the powers of the world for uh, their hope and their assurance. They have not been corrupted by the, and it describes it, the sexual immorality, the whole changing of God's purity and everything else in the world. They have, what, it, it, they have, as a church body, as people of God around the world, they have made themselves holy before God by the blood of the Lamb. Um, they have set themselves apart unto Him. Um, and so all of this language is defined. Remember, Jesus is coming back for a bride. And this is, what it's, this is tying this to the end of Revelation all together again. The church is seen as the bride of Christ. right? That is, not to, um, is to be pure and, and holy before Him. And this is the part of sanctification. This is why we have discipleship. This is why we strengthen and encourage and and walk alongside each other to walk in holiness, to be a church, a people ready to be received by Jesus when He returns, right? So this is all talking about this new identity, this glorious picture of who the bride is uh, itself as the church. And it's just the overarching question here um, when it comes to faith in the end is in other words, this this is this picture is given before we get to the next three, right? To just to be a foundation. Do we know that we're His? 
the first thing we have to wrestle with is, do we know we're His? Um, do we know our identity? Do we know, do we have the assurance of our salvation? Do you know Jesus? Do you know that you're a part of that redeemed group? Right? No matter if we live through these times or if, we, uh, if they happen way down the road, we don't know. But the question we have to wrestle with first and foremost is, am I a child of God? Do I have the assurance in my heart? And, I, and again, let me just press you on this, press all of us on this, is this is not, this is where the weeding out of just fluffy religion comes in. It, it doesn't matter what mountaintop experience you had. It doesn't matter what decision you made over here at church or, or at youth camp or something like that. That ultimately doesn't matter. What matters is, do I know him? And has my life proven that? Right? You'll find nowhere in Scripture just somebody's simple belief statement. Oh, and that's what we've lived under in the church is this idea that, man, I can just say a little prayer. I can get a little fire insurance. and Oh, but I've gone to church. I can do some kind of work right, to know that I'm saved. No, nowhere in here. It is the issue over and over again is, is those who love Him keep His commandments. They want to love His Word. They want to love His body. They want to uh, seek Him. And they want to be like Him. The only way anybody can have the assurance of their salvation is if I desire to obey my Lord. If I don't, if I'm not desiring to obey Him, there is zero assurance. And this is the lie we've given people is that, hey man, you can live how you want to because, oh, God's grace is there. If you just said you believe this and then you're in, that's nowhere in the text. We're leading people down a very dangerous road. And so this issue is first, we have to engage each other. Brother, sister, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? What's going on inside your soul? Talk to me. Give me testimony. In wise testimony. And all through Revelation, it talks about giving the testimony of Jesus. Right? It's the spirit of prophecy. Can I testify of what the Lord has done in my life? Right? And we know what it's like, right? The number one excuse that the people have criticism of the church is hypocrisy. Oh, they say they, they follow Jesus, but I don't see evidence in their life. And the Bible calls that out over and over again. Just go to the book of Hebrews, right, alone, right, is that we have to wrestle in these times. Man, do I know the Lord? Paul says at the end of 2 Corinthians, is examine yourself to make sure you, what? You're in the Lord. Is it true that Christ dwelleth in you? Right? Is this is to be common exchange of exhortation, encouragement. And this is why we have to gather together, again, in our discipleship and other things, to encourage each other. As we see the day coming, man, is there, is there evidence of the Lord in, inside your heart, right? And, and to walk with people, right, into that. It's not just objective knowledge. It's a subjective reality of knowing that you've met Jesus. And it's deeply relational and deeply intimate. And I just throw out, man, if you're here this morning and you're just wondering, you're questioning, you're, there isn't a, a real sense of solid assurance Please, there'll be plenty of us around here. We'd love to pray with you. Love to encourage you. Love to talk to you. Journey with you on that. Um, I hope that makes sense. That's the starter. Be sure of our future with Jesus. We're not doing anybody in the church any good whatsoever just to pacify some past spiritual experience that they talk about. Oh no, no, yeah, they just they said that back then. That you'll find that that's nowhere in the text. It's how I live. It's how I live with what I have heard.
And this is what the whole New Testament, this is why it begins with the church. Church, this is why the letters of Jesus to the church is examine yourselves, people. Is your life lining up with what you believe? Is your faith being informed by the word of God? And the expectations of God, the expectation. When Jesus says, if you follow me, you've got to count the cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. Is that how you came to faith? Right? Or is it just this nice, fluffy, therapeutic stuff we have out there today? Oh, just feel good. I just want to feel good. I want to come to church. I just want to feel good. I need a, I need a peppy message. Make myself feel good. That's going to leave people straight to hell. Right? The foundation of the gospel is the truth of who Jesus is. And God is a consuming fire. He's holy. He's glorious. He's a just. He can't be a loving, pure God unless he's holy and just. Right? And we have played games, we have, we have watered down the gospel to just some pathetic little self-help, this touchy, you know, fluffy thing from the glory of what it is. It's the power of God to save. That's transfer somebody from the kingdom of darkness into the very kingdom of light. It's the power of God. It's not, it has nothing to do with psychology. Nothing to do with these wimpy little things that just keep people out there in la-la land. And so folks, we, this, is, this is what the book is telling us. We start here. Man, let's go. Do you know Him? How do you know you know Him? Is there a growing desire to obey Him? Be a member of His family. To serve, to love Him. If not, we need to talk, right? All of us, as we engage. So that's where it starts, this idea of faith and this idea of increased expectation. Man, are my expectations, and folks, without discipleship, in other words, journeying with somebody and others in the Lord and the Word, is I'm off here, my expectations just wander out here. How do I know those aren't just my own flesh? Unless I would journey with people to line them up with the Word of God, right? Verse 6, then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation, tribe, and language, and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second followed saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all the nations Drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Another angel, a third, followed them saying, The loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Does it get any clearer, folks? Is that the gospel? Is that the word of God that we as a church in America have, have preached, has taught people? Does it get any clearer than that? We have watered this down. I'm just being as strong as I can just because it is of the hour we must wake up and realize that eternity's in the balance and we are holding before people, oh, I don't want to make them feel bad. Oh, I don't want to feel like judgment. I want to, oh, we just cower back at any language of that's just, you can't be judgmental. I can't be, ju what does it say right here? Folks, it is love 
demands that we are honest with people with what the Word of God says. And the consequences for rejecting Jesus. The consequences, right, for embracing, rejecting Jesus, embracing the nations and the culture and the world. Um, Jesus is very clear in the holiness of God. And so the second thing, this idea of understanding faith and getting my expectation, everything lined up, is fear God. Give Him glory, not the world. Or the things in the world. First John chapter 2. You can't love the world and love God. Give Him the glory. And, and folks, we've, we've, brought the, we've brought God down this very... Uh, in other words, it's time for reverence to be restored, right? To God's house. He's a holy God. He's to be feared in awe and wonder. He's a just God and He's going to bring about these things. And those who reject Him are going to experience His wrath. And love dictates that we are honest with people, with the truth of God, and our soul, and what we expect right out there. And folks, the battle here is is massive um, for for the souls. Our souls. And and I'm not so naive to think some of you watching or some of you here this morning that you're just, you're kind of, you're churning, you're you're uncomfortable, you're you're questioning this. Um, This is where we're at in America. The bottom line is the reality is we, we have not preached this. We have not held the truth, the full truth of the gospel before. We have gone very light. And there's a rumbling. There's a great rumbling even among God's people on the, His truth, His word. We want part of it, but we don't want all of it. We want the good stuff. We don't want this bad stuff. Right? And, and we've picked and we've choosed. And the day's coming, I'm telling you, that, um, right, is that we're held accountable to His word, His truth, right? Um, in all this and, and how we walk with people, loving them, right? Deeply at their soul level and, and be honest with them with the word of God. And to realize that, that the tough thing is, you know what? Some people, as we're going to see, it says it over and over in Revelation, some people in light of everything going on in the world, in light of Romans 1, that we, no one, should, we should see the galaxies in, in this creation. No one's without excuse to set their eyes on seeking God. Some people, in light of all that, are going to still reject God and His gracious, free offer to come to Jesus and be saved from all this. Jesus said, just come to me. Come to me and I'll save you. I'll bring peace into your heart. <clears throat> and um, it's up to us, folks, to hold on, to be strong in our faith, that we can come alongside and truly love people. Verses 12 and 13. Here's a call for endurance of the saints. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Folks, it's, it's here. <clears throat> couldn't be any clearer. <clears throat> Again, church, endure. This is a call for endurance for the saints. And how does it describe the saints? Those who have the assurance that they know Jesus, it's those who what? Keep the commandments of God. We can't keep the commandments of God unless we are deeply in fellowship with each other and in the Word of God. 
Those who keep his commands and those who have faith in Jesus. In other words, trust, personal, intimate trust in Jesus and hold on to that at all costs. No matter what's happening out there, we, we hold on right to, to that. Now, there's two major, and I've talked about this, I'm going to keep talking about it. There are two major things right now going on in, in, in America that are pulling people from the church. The first one here is, it says, defines the saints as those who keep the commandments of God. The great pull of, uh, thank you, brother. That's awesome, man. <clears throat> yeah, thank you, thank you. I'll take that. Mm. So, the first temptation is, um, <clears throat> those who keep the commandments, is to just go light on the commandments of God, the Word of God. That's Christian progressivism. The temptation right now is to say, oh, you know what, let's just set, and, and folks, there's a whole move today in the church that is denying anything of retributive nature of God. Just completely cutting out the Old Testament, cutting out any of the passages I just read, and only focusing on the good stuff. Um, the temptation is to reject the commands of God and to go and blend in with the things of culture. To not make a stand on the Word, to not let the Word inform my faith, but let culture inform my faith. Folks, this has a grip on our young people um, more than we'd ever, ever realize. Uh, that will lead people quickly away, right, from God. The other one is to have faith in Jesus. The other one is this Christian nationalism thing. Is to have faith, no, we believe in Jesus, but man, we're carrying the flag high. Is our faith, our real mantra is to, right, change this country, is, is politics. That is deceptive, folks. Uh, very, very dangerous. I've talked a lot about it, but we have to call it out. As um, <clears throat> God's people, Right, are called to be exiles in this world, pilgrims, foreigners in this world. This is not our home. And uh, folks, I'm just going to throw something out. I need you to dwell on it. We're going to get to it here in a couple chapters. America has two options. Biblically speaking, two options. One, we fade away into being one of just a normal nation among the, the maybe the NATO nations, which seems like that's where we're headed right now. The other option is that we become Babylon. We become the nation of capitalism where the world comes to get rich. And we continue down this secular movement that we've gone. Now you say, wait, isn't there a third option? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Now I say that, folks, because here's the important thing. This doesn't mean we don't get involved deeply for the renewal of our nation. We're commanded to pray for our leaders. We're commanded to be involved in politics and, and to bring light into all areas of the world with the hope of some kind of renewal. Now, <clears throat> the thing that has to happen is revival, and revival needs to come, but revival doesn't come through politics. It's through the local church around the nation. And when that revival hits, when God's people come on, this is the need of the hour, is that that will overflow with hope and blessing and bring a, a, a huge blessing of into the whole nation at all different levels. Um, but ultimately, right, we will not be, a, there isn't this America, you know, becoming this glorious thing. The glorious thing is yet to come. It's only when Jesus returns. And again, the other thing you have to understand is what we talked about last week, right? The scripture is very clear is the one who has the power over the nations is Satan himself over every nation. Right, so when man has power, you, at any government level across history, it's evil. It always moves out evil. Politics can only go so far. 
Um, so I'll leave that with you. We're going to dive deeply into that um, <clears throat> in the weeks. I know that bursts some bubbles. But um, hey, I'm a patriot. love my nation. want to serve it. And I pray for the best for it. But the Bible is very clear. But ultimately, I follow Jesus. I'm a citizen of heaven. Right? The, the only kingdom I have allegiance to is His. Ultimately. In the return of Him to bring the kingdom come, His will be done in this earth. Right? Does that make sense, gang? Yeah. No, it's shocking, but we'll get into that. <clears throat> so, um, verse... Uh, let me start in 14. Then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated in the cloud one like a son of man with a golden crown on his head, a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put in your sickle, reap for the hour to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth and the earth was reaped. And then another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar. The angel had authority over the fire and he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle. Put in your sickle, gather the clusters for the vine of the, um, from the vine of the earth for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung its sickle across the earth, gathered the grape harvest on the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, the great city that's coming, that's going to be Mount Zion. And the blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. Wow. You ever heard that preached? Do you grow up hearing, hearing, hearing the full counsel of the Word of God? Of where things are going? Of what God's justice means for this earth? Um, you, you can't have the love of God in the without the justice of God. And that's the kind of gospel we've sold. We've sold this idea of love God, love God. He's loving, he's loving. And, and, and it, it haven't had a larger understanding. He is a, for him to be loving, he has to be just. He's a holy God. He's bringing righteousness to this earth. And that means those who are not covered by the blood, the glorious good news of, of receiving Jesus free to anyone, to be covered, to be saved from all of this. Without that cover, there is only justice. There's only the fear of a righteous God coming to this earth. And folks, every bit of our culture today, just, we, we, we just can't handle that. Um, which tells us that we're not embracing the word of God. Or the gospel of God. Or the glory of God. And so this last one, folks, is trust the Father's love and His justice. We are a culture that has so camped on the love of God, we know nothing of the magnitude of that love because we don't know of His justice. And folks, at the cross, what took place? We talk about the love of God, but you know what? Just as much as love was His justice, Father, the Father poured out on Jesus His wrath that I was due. That you were due, that anyone's due. So we have a choice. Either, guess what? I go through life and I can say, you know what? I'm going to handle my own justice. I'm going to stand before God. I'm fine standing before God and just be able to, to take what I... I'm fine going through my life. I can make it before God. I can, oh, I can plead my case in the courtroom of God. Or I can humbly say, Lord, I got nothing. Give me the blood of Jesus. Come and wash me. 
so that on that day I stand covered by the blood of Christ. Forgiven, cleansed, free. That's the free offer. That's the good news to anyone and everyone. So um, I think that's enough for this morning. Um, Folks, pursue the Lord. Pursue the Lord. Dig into His Word. Dig into the fellowship of God. Let's see God renew His church and do something great in this nation. And let's plead before Him, even tonight as we gather together to pray. Psalm 46, over the situation in Russia, right? And around the world. But more than anything, that we would plead that God, right, would come in His mercy, that people's hearts would open to Him. Ultimately, is there anything more important than that? And that people's hearts would be open to who Jesus is. Not who the next president's going to be or anything else, but to who Jesus is. He's the one who's coming. Every knee will bow one day. And either I'm going to bow out of love for my Savior in relationship and security in Him, or I'm going to bow because I'm forced to. And um, folks, when we gather in worship, this is part of our practice of worshiping Him and honoring Him before He returns. So Father, we love You and praise You and thank You. And Holy Spirit, come now and uh, Lord, inform our faith and empower our faith. Increase our expectation according to promises and empower us, Lord, to endure and to trust You, Lord, through the hard times. Your promises are true. You're a glorious God. Come now and move among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.